to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. My name is Axel. <laughs> F- a funny story, uh, yesterday we uh, had our, our, our live group meeting, uh, what, we, what we call tribe meetings, uh, where we have like, different people from different schools, and right now we have grown about to 20 to, uh, on a good day, I call it a good day, where everybody's just feeling the Lord and staring in their body and just saying, yes, I want to come to cell group. And it's, then we got about 35. But most of the time, we have about 20 people, 25 people coming. Uh, and yesterday, we, as we were worshipping, we just felt like, I just felt like God wanted to heal some people. And, and we had a couple of people with like runner's knee, injured ankle, uh, throat pain. And uh, just two stories, right? One, uh, some, uh, Gerald, who had a really bad ankle injury, was completely healed the first time we prayed for him. And, uh, and we had this girl whose name, whose name is Joy, and, and uh, she had a runner's knee, uh, and, and she it was so bad she couldn't even, like, we were playing games, you know, and when we play games, it's like, we're training people to be in the army, we make them do burpees, we make them do squats, we make them do push-ups, and planks, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, she, she uh, out, of a, out of a pain of 10, she, it dropped down to a, a, a 2, she was 80% healed, and come, come on, it's God, yay, <laughs> come on, shakababa. Uh, last week, Melina talked about, you know, she just opened and then she started talking about all this thing about marriage and uh, me and my couple of my guys were just like, uh, we, we were like, we don't understand. But, but a, a very interesting thing Melina said, she, she said that this is a living room and, and each and every one of us are getting turns to share about our stories about Jesus and how he changed each and every one of our lives. And, and, that, and, and that's just so beautiful. Like, can you just imagine like, when, you, when we all get to heaven and we just get to say, this is what God get, uh, has done in my life and, and this is what God has done uh, through me and, and this is what God has just been doing all these years and the times where we met like, a, a, a tribulation, a trial, an obstacle, a huge rock that we were like, dude, how are we going to get across this? And then God just miraculously just finds a way, digs under, goes over, turns around, lifts up the rock, and we get across. And then we can say, Jesus, come on. You know, I love a good story. And I love how they take you back to a place. They invoke an emotion. And over the past two years, I've just been on a quest to find a way to craft better stories, uh, just to be able to hear stories from people and be able to uh, find a way to make that, like, just to make you cry, you know? I, I wake up some mornings and I, I see my mom crying, like, really bad. And I'm like, what's wrong? Like, you know, you worry because your mom's crying, like, <gasps> then the, you just, like, you just pretend like you don't know that she's crying, but actually you're like, what happened? And then you realize that she's just watching Korean drama. <laughs> Amen. Korean drama, I don't judge. Uh, our lives are stories. Uh, I, know, I believe that our, our lives, at the end of the day, are like stories that are found in a book. That is found in a library. That is Jesus' library. And in each and every one of these books, and each and every one of these uh, uh, chapters, and each and every one of these pages holds a story. And my question to you today is, what's your story? Today, I just want to tell you my story. I, 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 as, as I was preparing for this message, a couple of people said, I asked them, I said, dude, what am I going to share, man? Like, what do you want me to share? They said, just share your story, bro. Just share your story. Then I was just like, I got so many stories, guys. You know, like, how you live your life. I'm a very, I'm just, I'm, my brain is like a, like a memory tank of, like, just different, different stories. And each of them take a couple of uh, megabytes and, and just, like, stores in there. And I'm like, how do I tell all these stories? Without like freaking out, like you know, just like I got like I just want to vomit all my stories out. <laughs> I really do. I, I I've been thinking. I it, it got me so dif- I was so difficult just to choose the number of the, the type of stories that I want to tell you today. So I've limited down to three. Thank God. <laughs> if not, we're not going home. Uh, but before we start, can we pray? Yeah. All right. Just thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that, um, that, each, uh, that each and every one of us hold a, 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 a beautiful story that you're crafting. And that each and every one of us matter to you, that your eyes and your hand and, and you just love us and you, wanna, you want to live life with us. You want to craft that beautiful story with us. And Lord, we pray that today, even as we sit here, God, I ask that Lord, you will move and you will shake in their hearts. 
that Lord, that you would you would grow deep within them and you would that you would challenge them, uh, that, that you would you would even bring comfort in in the tough seasons that they may be in. Lord, I just ask right now that you would just come and be king in Jesus' name. Amen. See, stories have a unique way to cause brains to come alive. You know, this is psychologist uh, by the name of Yuri Hansen uh, of Princeton University. He spent a season of his life observing the brain images of people as they listen to and they watch stories unfold. So they, they got two groups of people and one group of people uh, were, were made to watch this uh, morning concert in New York, Washington Square Park where uh, it's just a concert, you know, just... And only a 5% stimulation response was noticed in their subject's cortex. But when Hansen shows them Alfred Hitchcock's film, Bang, You Are Dead, this subject, this group of people, elected a 65% response. You know, in the year of 2015, $490 billion were spent on movies. See, we hunger for stories the same way we hunger for food. We, we enjoy when we turn on Netflix and we watch shows and we feel like we are, in, in, we are part of them. We watch like, different shows and we feel like we are part of a character and we are bought into it. And when somebody dies, we're like, my life is over. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to begin with Korean drama. <laughs> Stories are a recurring commodity for which we demand... That will, which is a demand that will never be fully satisfied. We are always looking for stories. We are always wanting to be involved in a story. We are always watching something. You know, my kids can tell me like crazy stories about different people that they don't even know. <laughs> and I am guilty of that because like, I'm like, so involved in like, different stories that are appearing on my Netflix. In November, my good friend Andre here is going to get married. <laughs> and I'm the best man, I think, I hope. <laughs> I hope he still stays there till like November, huh? Yes. And he has revolved much of his morning uh, wedding team around this one thing. It's called Star Wars. Woo! I used to bluff people that I'm like one of those hardcore Star Wars fans because it was just a cool thing to do, you know? And uh, I would just, uh, yeah, like Boba Fett, man. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> do you know that, he, that, that that story was written on a napkin in a, in a cafeteria? And it was sold for $4 billion to Disney Corporation. He sold a fictional universe of his imagination of more than 30,000 non-existent planets. So what really did he sell? He sold a story. And here we have, each and every one of us, a story that God is crafting. And, and the, the Bible is just even a... It's a, it's a compilation of a great story. Stories do more than entertain. Jesus understood that. What he did when in Mark chapter 4, when the people start together, he stepped into a boat and allowed the boat to just to move slightly away. And he started telling about the parable, the parable of the sower. And when the disciples asked him about the parable, he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside... All things come in parables so that seeing they may see but not perceive. They may hear but not understand. They should turn and lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. I believe that this parable is so important to all the parables that Jesus would tell after that because it was a, a precedent, it was a stepping stone that, you would, that would set the context for all other parables that would be told. Is your heart ready? I'm doing the Andre thing, you don't walk and then put my hand in my pocket. And then <laughs> <laughs> Jesus understood that by telling a story, it would create a clicking experience. I've been trying to practice this for the past two days. It's getting there, right? It will create a clicking experience in a person's brain, allowing them to understand what somebody is trying to say. There's a lot of time as preachers they, they, where we will try to explain an, a difficult concept by using things around us, using things like agaga, using different things that we can find just to explain a, 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 an analogy. See, stories are said to calibrate our moral compasses in our brains, creating values in our lives, educating and inspiring what's beautiful and what's ugly. 
I remember my mom used to tell me that uh, the Chinese New Year, the, if you don't like uh, put red, the lion will come to your house or something like that. You know, and, uh, and you know, if you run away, right, from your family, and you run to McDonald's because that's the safe place, you will get kidnapped. And then that created a fear in me that I would never run away, especially to McDonald's. <laughs> and it's a true story. I just found out that about that yesterday. I was like, what? It is real. My mom tells me stories about evil men entering my house, uh, tells me stories about why Red Hill is called Red Hill. Uh, my friends tell me stories about OCH, if you have been to OCH. You know, and and our, our lives are actually built up by a lot of stories, about a lot of things that we, we uh, hear and we create a value and we start, okay, like, you know, don't do this because you know, somebody said, if you do that, you would happen, right? That's true. See, God is the greatest storyteller ever. All good stories are about pilk reflections and imitations of the great story that God is crafting over the years. And the Bible is a book of books, a combination of stories that tell one larger story. Only God can create a biography of a person. Oh no, okay. God, only God can create a biography that is at the same time a history of biographies to come. What God has been doing is been writing stories about people and situations that right now we are seeing and we have yet to see. Only God can do that. Only God can write a story that resonates not just in the power of the imagination or the heart or the mind, but in the very soul. Only God can write a story that will turn dead things into life. So today I want to take you on a journey with me. I don't really have very good points. We'll get there. The points are like, you know, I'll ah, just make a point, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I'm going to be honest to you. I'm a very honest person. I used to come to Shell Group and I'm like, guys, I'm tired. But I'm just going to bring myself out because I got a chip on my shoulder. I cannot be more tired than the kids. That's my, that's my chip, right? Uh, but today I want to take you on a journey through the life that I've lived, the stories that I've written with God. And I want to take you through my joy, my heartaches, the things that I've seen. So imagine yourself with me, like in a coffee shop, over at we latte together. You know, if you don't know what latte is, you got a latte. latte. It's a latte. <laughs> latte with me, or if you want to be a bit more romantic, imagine with me that we are sitting by a fire, and as the heat warms our face, <laughs> we're talking, we're telling a story. <laughs> See, my God story began when I was 13 years old. Uh, I was conned and, 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 and lied to, to uh, with cookies and good stories. I joined a CCA called Boys Brigade. <laughs> it was, I, told them, I, was totally, I was totally lied to, okay? Like, they just come out in like nice suits, right? And then they serve cookies. And they, uh, and they show you very nice photos of people shooting arrows, kayaking, you know? And I was 144 and I was fat, I was cute. Life has just taken on a whole new turn. You know, have you been to primary school? Primary school is like life. You're king of the castle. You're like, I'm the king of the castle. You know, and uh, suddenly you go to secondary school and then you are like dethroned. And then you're like, the, you're the least of this. <laughs> you know, you're the least of this. You're, and, and it doesn't help that you're 144 and fat. And most people are just like, hey, can you help me do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? You just like get ordered around. Uh, and that's when I first met Andre. Uh, we were part of a CCA called Boys Brigade. Uh, Andre was uh, cuter. So I called him fat. Uh, and then he, then he always, up to today, he still says, you're not fair, no, you're fat, you call me fat. Then I'm just like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he was one for four and slightly fatter, just a bit. <laughs> and uh, here I was at 13 years old in my life, and uh, I joined this cool CCA called Boys Brigade. And uh, I want to tell you a bit of my background. I came from a, a family where... Uh, I, I used to see signs and wonders. My grandfather was a, what we call a tanky or a medium or a uh, sorcerer or, uh, you know, just the kind, la, you know, on that level of like, things. And we would actually see signs and wonders, you know, like people get healed, like ridiculous. But this is what I didn't understand. Like it was just, it, it just really looked quite weird. Like people would jump and like they would dance and then they would like suddenly just go into this trance. And only a selected people get healed. Uh, if they give something or they did something for the, for the person, for my grandfather. And, and, I, and I, it was something that I attended every week because, you know, it's family. I was there two or three times a week. And it started, uh, and I, I grew up with an upbringing of wanting to know more about the spiritual things. 
I grew an appetite and uh, I started reading up different mythologies like even Norse mythology and Greek mythology. I read up all of these things because I wanted to understand who is this God? You know, I would go to the temple and I will figure out a new way to hold a joystick. Okay, I'm not going to show you. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll figure out a new way to hold joysticks. I'll, hold, uh, I'll just do different things just to show that one day God would notice me. I had great parents growing up. Uh, sometimes you see my mom around and, and, and she's like the laughiest, like the, ah, and then she come and hug you, right? Yeah, that's my mom. Uh, I had amazing parents growing up. Uh, but you see, this, thing, this the thing is, I wasn't like the brightest. I wasn't the fastest learner. I wasn't the most uh, uh, hand-eye coordination. Well, like, you know, I just got like psychomotor issues kind. Like, you know, you run with my right hand, like, leg kind. Then you just like, hey, what? <laughs> I remember having to run drills in Boys Brigade and I struggled, man. I struggled so bad. <laughs> um, yeah, but I wasn't that, I wasn't that. And my brother was a really smart person and, and, and I felt like I was oftentimes living in the shadow of him even though when I, we were really young. Uh, it, it didn't help that I was really lazy. I'm just be honest here. I was really lazy. I was always finding the fastest way out of a situation. You know, like if I had to do something, let's make it fast, man. Like, you know, and it just, it does help sometimes. Uh, uh, growing up, I had immense fear of death. I think my mom told me too many stories about things where you do, then you'll die. <laughs> and uh, it also doesn't help that I have a thing called LISP. L-I-S-P, which until today I cannot pronounce. Which, why? I do not understand. Somebody made a word for somebody who has a condition who is not able to say it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And so here I was in a boys' brigade, right? I was in the room and uh, they had this children's Bible that was sitting on the table. I love children's Bible. They had all these nice pictures, nice illustrations. And, you know, but then you see the actual Bible and then you're like, eh, pales in comparison. Like, you don't, not the real Bible. The children's Bible works. And, and every week I would go in and I would read. And uh, most people don't know it because I would, like, secretly do it. Because at that point in time, one of the, like, I, I grew up in a school where it's either you be bullied or you be the bully. All right, so I, I I had told myself like after sec one I was like I'm gonna be the bully, bro. I'm gonna like walk with a with a abing say you know. Like. <laughs> and every week we would come to boys' brigade, and I was a I was a committed boy, man. I was committed all the way. Uh, we came and we had this thing called Christian education, where the captain of the company or the senior officers would talk about the Bible, and they would talk about things that. Re, re, regarding to Christian living and stuff like that. And, uh, and something stirred in my heart over time. Like, it just made me think, like, who is this God? Like, I want to know Him. But at the same time, I just didn't want to, like, you know, like, there were a couple of times where they had, like, Alpha for use, and I would be there, and then they would say, like, if today you want to know Jesus. And I was just like, no. So, because too intimate. Nah. And I remember in, like, the year 2004, I was invited to a Christmas skit, and, uh, I was being a boy, uh, was honestly just there for girls, because Christmas, girls. And uh, throughout the entire skit, me and my friend Nicholas, we were playing, we were joking, we were not even spending any time on the, I didn't know what was playing on the summon skit, okay? It was just going on, right? we were like, hey, the girl cute, uh, hey, the girl cute. Uh. And then we were like, just doing that the entire time. And then at the end of the sermon, the pastor said, Everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. Today, if you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to encourage you to lift up your hands. And it was so quiet, you could hear a pin drop. And I turned to my friend. All right, okay, here. Hey, wanna? And then he's like, you go, I go. Lah. Then I was like, okay. Lah. Then we did this. <laughs> um, the next thing happened uh, will be very familiar to all of us in this room. They invited all of us to stand, and then they said, uh, if today you raise your hands, I want you to come to the front. Just take a step of faith. I was like, nobody saw my hand. Then I realized Christians, uh, they, don't, they don't close their eyes. They don't bow their heads. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Then they were like, hey, I show, I show Nick. I saw you raise your hands. I was like, hey, dude. So being an abeng, right? You don't fear nothing, okay? You, eh, eh, no, nothing going to fear you. No, nothing going to scare you. So, I decided, hey, what's the, what's the worst that can happen, man? So, I stood up, and I know I was like, okay, ah, go, ah. So, I walk out with my abeng, say, 
And as I was walking to the front, my body started shaking on the inside. And I was like, you know, like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? And as, and as the pastor laid his hands on me and he prayed the sinner's prayer with me and he said, uh, you know, the sinner's prayer, and he prayed. I felt something that I, for the rest of my life, I can never explain it to somebody. Uh, it's only in the past few years that I've been able to put a word to it. And that's that thing is called peace. See, with each great story comes a character that looks unassuming, inadequate, oftentimes, in some case, full of himself. The hero character is usually given a task that is outside of their comfort zone, but necessary for the survival of others or himself. So this character would go through a, a character arc where at the end of the day, he would be a changed man, you know? Let me give you an example. I think we've got an example here. Uh, in Star Wars, Luke Skywalker wants to fight against the evil empire. There we go. And so what he, did, he does, he meets Yoda. You know, and he, my question oftentimes watching the show is, why can't Yoda just fight the battle, right? He's so powerful, then why do you actually need Yoda to fight it? So he meets Yoda and, he's, and Yoda's been there. He understands this. He's like, I got this, man. And then he says to um, Luke Skywalker that, you know, you can do it. He gives him a confidence, a plan and training to go out and defeat the enemy. The happy ending happens when Luke destroys the, star, the Death Star and the rebellion is crushed. Is it? No, the rebellion, the rebellion lives on. Sorry, I write wrongly. <laughs> the rebellion lives on. I'm sorry. See, this is the part where I'm really not... I, I just totally bluffed my way through this. <laughs> Boba Fett, Boba Fett. Boba Fett, man. <laughs> this is the basis of every good story. You first have a character who has a problem or wants to solve a problem and then he actually doesn't have the confidence to do it. He meets a guy who totally can do it but he doesn't want to. Uh, so <laughs> he guides him and he finds the confidence to finally defeat and happy ending. A lot of times our Christian lives look a little bit like that with just a bit more drama uh, and a bit more friends. Uh, I, in here, I did not put Han Solo and uh, Chewbacca. I did not add Princess Leia. Am I still in the correct timeline? Oh, correct, right? Yes. <laughs> All the Star Wars fans be like, what you saying? All right? <laughs> Let's go to point number one. <laughs> I just wanted to show you one thing. That's me at like 15. <laughs> it's an Ignite conference. <laughs> In Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, and not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Today, you get, today you, you've known Jesus, you've come to a relationship with Jesus, and it's not of your own ability but it's by, very, by, it is by the very grace of God that you are here and you're sitting here. And, and even if you don't know Jesus today, the reason you're here, it's not by coincidence. It is His desire for you to be here. He has made you to come here for a purpose. Yeah. Now, I believe that my God story began even before the foundations of the earth. But my God adventure had just begun. It began with an adventure to overcome my fear of public eyes and... God began to give me that identity. He took stuff out of me while I was shaking to the front and he gave me peace. And he, gave, he took away all the fear but gave me great courage and immense love. See, my parents weren't like fully supportive of my relationship with Jesus at that point in time. They were like, uh, they're going to lock the doors, put the dogs out kind of. You know, and uh, they were all like not for like me going to church. And, and it came to a point where we argued enough to say, Yes, you can go to church, but you cannot get baptized. Guess what I did? I got baptized. <laughs> Many years later, I'll explain that story sometime, another time for another story. But here, my family was, uh, wasn't always on board, and I discovered uh, many ways and, and through prayer that, that helped me in my time when my, when my family was just super against it. God spoke to me and said, go into your room and start praying for your family. Start declaring His promises over your family. Start claiming authority over your family. And in two years, three years since, that, since I, I, I came to know Jesus, my family came to know Jesus. 
He, I began being involved in the lives of the people around me, changing the way I speak, having encounters after encounters, and I often still felt unworthy, unqualified for the thing that God has put in my heart. And today, my ability to stand in front of you, chit-chat, and like, you know, make you laugh, is just a miracle by itself. See, God oftentimes uses the most unqualified people, and, and you are sitting in your, your seat, you're thinking, I, I can't, you know, we always hear, hear stories about how uh, P.D. would say that he used to uh, stutter and stumble and, and look at what God has made a man of him. You know, I, I, I used to know Andre and uh, look, what I'm, <laughs> look what God has made out of him. <laughs> and I think all of, all of us, all of us, God has chose the unlikely hero. God has so many other people that he can do better with, greater with. I've often asked God, why do you put me on the pulpit? I can't even speak properly. Like, I, I come up with an accent, not because I want to be sound angmoy, I'm just trying to pronounce my words better. Okay, so, but I, I often stand in front of people and I felt so inadequate by the way I speak because I, you just like, do you understand? I, I oftentimes remember like, saying to people, hi, my name is Axel. Then they go up to me and say, your name is Michael? Then I was like, you know, your confidence level coming in was like this, and then you like, start plummeting. The more you say Axel, the more they say Michael, then you just like, Ooh. then you just resort to saying, my name is AXEL. <laughs> then they say Alex ah. Your name Alex <laughs> See, oftentimes in the Bible uh, God uses very unlikely people Like Noah had a drinking problem Abraham was a liar uh, who else? Moses was a murderer. He started, he stumbles. David was an adulterer. He's a backstabber. Paul, which I recently realized, is a radical terrorist <laughs> who oftentimes tortured people who followed Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, God, but hey, God uses the most unlikely of people to do what he desires and he's waiting to just jump into your life and start crafting and some of us have already been in that process and some of us just, just, some of us just need to be, be reminded that hey, God's in the process with me. Yeah. I want to jump forward. I've got a lot of stories in my growing up days uh, under Pastor Daniel's uh, leadership. You know, so many stories of like when I cried, when I was angry, I was like happy and like no different things like encounter God, so powerful. But I want to jump all the way to I was 18. Uh, when I turned 18 years old, two days after that, my dad had a show. Three days later, I crashed, oh, a, a day after, the, okay, two days after my birthday, I, I, my dad had a show. Three days after my birthday, which is one day after my dad had a show, I crashed my friend's car. How great, right? <laughs> and the, on, the, on the fourth day, and on the fourth day, <laughs> uh, my friends, I had no understanding of, I, I, my, this group of friends that I was really close with, just, Decided that, hey, we're not going to be friends anymore. And then, like, you realize, I'm stranded trying to grab everything and trying to bring everything together. And you realize that you are just, like, that one guy who's trying to bring every shape and you're, like, Spider-Man, right? <laughs> then you're, like, trying to bring two boats together. If you don't know, I've just spoiled it for you, but it's okay. <laughs> and see, my dad was a sole breadwinner in my house. And um, I, I remember going to the hospital that Sunday before going to church. And I, and I sat there and I said, God... How are we going to live for the rest of our lives? My brother was in his last year in medical school. I was still in like year two poly. Uh, my mom was babysitting uh, a kid. And uh, we were just stranded. Like, you know, when you realize that you just like, all hope is lost and you are left there and you ask God, what next and why? I prayed and God said, give me your tithe. This is not a call to make you give tithe to church, but... <laughs> Uh, he, he said, actually, I want you to give me your tithe. And I, I remember at that point in time, I was receiving like $300 for my allowance and I was, I was, gonna, like, I was picking up work as well just to like, be part of the $300. And like $30 suddenly felt like it's a lot. You know, like $30 could last me like six days of food. Like, and I was just thinking, God, how can I, how to tithe? Like, $30 is a lot, man. But I said, you know what, God, uh, I've done this before and I do it again. I don't do it because I know that you were, you know, like you're a leprechaun, like you put $30, you ching, then check board, then you get. It doesn't work that way. I just want to honor you. I just want to say yes. 
I want to say yes. And I, and I think our, our lives that our lives are, are a reflection of the yes that we have made. Our lives are a reflection of the yes that will echo through eternity, saying yes in most moments where we cannot make it, we feel horrible and we're stranded and we say yes. God continued to provide for my family for the next two years. My, the company just paid my debt full every month for two years, even though my dad did not uh, really go to work. My family uh, got out of debt. We were huge in debt before my dad had a show. And uh, my family was closer than ever. My dad had gone back to work and my brother had finished medical school. All looks great. We were planning a trip to Hong Kong where my dad started having a pain in his head. Uh, so we decided that you know, it was right to just go to the doctor and like, have it scanned. And then we realized that there was a tumor in my dad's head. Uh, and uh, they did not know if it was uh, cancerous. It was about the size of this big. Uh, it was just like this big. And uh, so we, I, I remember uh, throughout the entire time my dad had a show, I would, I would roll him around in his wheelchair, right, playing like uh, Healer by, the, by Planet Shakers. Is it Planet Shakers or something? And I would just like tell him about what has, has been happening in church. I would just tell him about God. And he never wanted to go to church with me. He's like, no, I cannot, I cannot do that, I cannot do that. And one day, just before we were due for the operation, that weekend, uh, he said to me, uh, where are you going? And I was like, oh, duh, every week I go to the same place. I was like, I'm going to church. And then he's like, can I come with you? And my mom's like, no, you don't, don't go with him. Lah. Then I said, no, lah, just come. Lah. So we went to church that day and we sat through the service. At the end of the service, my... Uh, PD came over, prayed for my dad. And for the first time in my dad's life, uh, he felt peace. Uh, he told my mom about it. He didn't tell us, but he, I remember we went, we checked into the hospital the next day and then uh, we were due for an operation. And he said, uh, my, my family had just left, left me and my dad. And me and my dad were close. Like he was more than like a dad. He was like a friend. He's like, when your mom scores you, you run to your dad. Then you hide. You know, when you have no money, you go to your dad. Your dad gives you money. You, if you ever want to eat like supper in the middle of the night and your dad's like, at his, in his bed, you can wake him up. And the best part of this about being a, uh, about a dad, right, is we used to watch this thing called SummerSlam. <laughs> and my mom, my mom is like, no SummerSlam, no WWE is bad. Okay, like, don't pinning people on the floor. My, my dad will wake me up at 2 a.m., we sneak out into the living room, we'll close all the doors, and then we were on SummerSlam at a volume of two. <laughs> and then we were like watching the whole night for two hours, and I'll go back to bed at four, I'll wake up horribly, like, I don't wake up, like, you know, in the morning, and then my mom's like, what do you do last night? I don't know. <laughs> and I remember like, uh, sitting beside his bed, and he said to me, Axel, if I go through the operation uh, and everything is fine, I want to go to church with you. And uh, he did the operation, everything went well. Um, and the next, the, that weekend, we, we went to church and he gave himself, uh, he, the, the following weekend, he gave his life to God. And a couple of months later, my mom gave her life to God. We realized that the, the, the reports came back and, and we found out that the tumor was cancerous. And uh, for the first time, I didn't see my dad react to a situation. You know, most of the time, like, you know, when you're stuck with a situation, you can't change. He would, he would just, like, be really angry, and I would be. And he was, and, and we found out there was, like, four-stage cancer. We gave him four to six months. And at a point in time, I was asking God, why is it one after another? And you realize that sometimes when you go through a really bad time in your life, it just comes one after another, after another, and after another, and after another. And then you barely got catch your breath and you barely get to savor the moment of being together with your loved ones and it comes again and you, you ask God, why? You ask God, how? And you ask God, what now? God sustained my family. We kept on going financially. We were, we were shrandling, but we did all right and we went on for two years. And oftentimes I find myself at the altar crying out to God and saying, God, why? You, are you not healing my dad? Because people will come and they will prophesy and they like, your dad is going to be healed in Jesus' name. No problem. I saw a dream and saw a vision about that. No, I saw your dad being healed. And I was like, come on, man. And then at the end of the day, uh, today my dad's not with us. Uh, and he passed on in 2011. It was, yeah. It was, we went 
Uh, we actually like yeah. My dad actually lived more than four to six months. He he did like a year plus, and I was like. But at that point of time, I didn't see the goodness of God. I didn't. I wasn't able to see the goodness of God. I was just more jaded with why would God who claims himself to be so good, who have oftentimes been so good to me, not able to shine through a situation like that. I remember I was sitting with uh, Mary Beth last weekend and she asked me, she said, do you think cancer comes from God? Then I was like, no. Then she's like, then why do people die of cancer? Then I was like, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I want to say that it's not from, I, I, I believe that it's not from God. I believe it's from the devil. But at the same time, do I have the conviction to believe that every time we see somebody with, a heal, with, with cancer, we can pray for healing and declare just the goodness of God? And do we, are we able to say we understand the will of God? And I became really jaded with the goodness of God. He took away the very person that I was very close to. And back at home, I pretend everything was okay. I would come to church on Sunday, man. Like week, every week, I've never missed a Sunday. I've never missed a Sunday. I saw going to cell group though. I'm sorry to my cell group leader. Sorry, Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I would, I would, I would come and at point of time, this is the worst part, okay? I'm going to explain to you why. I had just been, when my dad uh, was going through the really worst part, I was sent to this thing called, this part of the army called the Rifle Platoon. And you know, I was part of a rifle, rifle company and uh, within first week, two days after I came into camp, my, my locker had been broken open, my money all stolen, and uh, obviously I can't make a complaint out of it. How are you going to check you got the serial number on your money? You don't have, right? And I was just like, why did God put me in the worst of the worst place? I'm sorry, but yeah, rifle co- company at that point in time really does look like the worst of the worst. So I began to just rebel against God, finding my own way to solve this pain that I was feeling inside. I would party every day. Party every time I get a book out. I, would, I was smoking. I was, uh, we were just doing, cre- uh, just like party every weekend. I would do, I would party to five, go home and shower, sleep. And then at 10 a.m. I'll be in the back of the church. I'll be attending service because I didn't want to make my mom worried. Oftentimes, I can, I, I, I can tell you that the adventures that we go on don't always look like the great ones, you know. Sometimes I look at Lord of the Rings and I look at Frodo and how weak he is and then I'm like, God, why would you choose somebody like Frodo, right? And then I'm just like, actually then I realize how much I am like Frodo and I sometimes need a Sam like Andre in my life, you know. <laughs> hey, uh, we go way back, man. And... Uh, and often our times, our adventures, they refine us, they determine who we become. You know, in uh, James 1, verse 2 to 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Correct? Alright. Well, this passage didn't mean anything to me at that point in time. I was uninterested in producing any patience or being perfected. Let's be honest. But in hindsight, I think that that was what my leaders and my friends went through. They had their, they had their faith produce patience and, their, and they were perfected. While I was going through the worst periods of my life, every weekend, Andre would, uh, I mean, not like he's great, he's a great friend. Every weekend, he would call me and he would say, why don't we just hang? And he doesn't drink, okay? So he would watch me drink while he drink his coke. And every weekend he will do that. He will make sure that he spends at least two or three hours with me, make sure that he sees my face and that I'm not messing up my life. And every week and week in and week out. And I remember two incidents that changed my life and got me to say, God, I really need you. I remember one night I, I had just partied really crazy. Uh, had ate my prata, came home, I was, I, I, was, I was a bit drunk. I lied on my bed and there was nine seconds before I fell asleep. I mean, the nine seconds just fake. I was just telling you this night, a couple of seconds before you fell asleep. And then the moments of those seconds, right, are those moments where you, you suddenly, have, suddenly have full clarity and you ask yourself, now that the music has stopped, now that the people have gone away, you are all by yourself and what really matters? What really matters? And I, I was so afraid within those few moments before I fell asleep because I was asking myself, what matters at the end of the day? Because I couldn't find that peace that I had when I had first accepted Jesus into my life. It was so empty. It was so quiet. And I was like, I can't do this. But I woke up the next morning, got up myself and said, no, just move on. And I remember 
a couple of days later, uh, I met Andre and we were sitting in Bedok Point and we were having like food, you know, and it was an awkward situation because we had like a fight before that. And then he stopped and then he said, like, what are you doing with your life? And then when a man cries in front of you, you can't don't cry. So he cried, I cried, we cried, and then the shovel walked past, she's like, there she says. <laughs> and here's the thing, we like haven't even bought our food, we just like. <laughs> At the moment I realized that I was nothing without God. I realized that the only one that could take away the pain, the frustration, the questions in me was the one that I was running away from. And I reached back to point one. I run a full circle. I was like the prodigal son, you know, that was trying to find a purpose with his life, took all his money, wanted to make a name for himself. And then he only to come back and realize that I can't do it without my father. I'm always amazed at how those years God has never withdrawn his love for me. Instead, he lavished it on me. As I made those steps back home, I remember uh, he came running like a father and he said said to me, I will father you. I will give you joy over sadness. Elizabeth Elliot, I I mean, if if you're familiar with the story of Jim Elliot, uh, they were missionaries to the Orca tribes. And uh, as they have made contact with them, they decided to come down and, and right, want to befriend them you know, and share the gospel with them. Immediately, they were speared uh, and their bodies were left to float out into the river. Elizabeth Elliot took her daughter and she went back with the, the, the widows. And many, uh, a couple of years later, she said that I need to finish the work that my, my husband has started. And she took her, her kid and they went back and when they met the chieftain of the, 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 the people, they said that as they speared Jim Elliot, they saw uh, a being in white, and they knew that that was Jesus, and they knew that that was the God that, they, that these men were serving, and they were trying to find a way to reach this God. And they, were felt, they felt so horrible about their actions, because these people were, were cannibals by like, nature. They were like people who were protective. They were just... Uh, but they realized that they had... Uh, done the wrong thing. And here Elizabeth Elliot says, I'm not a theologian or a scholar, but I'm aware of the fact that pain is necessary to all of us. In our own life, I can honestly say that out of the deepest pain has come the greatest conviction of the presence of God and the love of God. Our vision is so limited that we can hardly imagine a life, a, a, a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God is of different nature altogether. It does not hate tragedy. It does it not ever deny reality. It stands in the very teeth of suffering. The love of God did not protect his own son. The cross was the proof of his love that he gave that son. And that he will and that he let him go to the Calvary's cross. Even though legions of angels could have saved him, might have saved, rescued him, but he will not necessarily protect us, not from anything that will make us just more like his son. A lot of hammering, chiseling, and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. Today, my question is oftentimes we are building somewhere, and we're going somewhere, and we are, we are buying things, and we are, we are, we are, our lives are involved, and our, we are crafting our story every day, every moment of our lives matter, and our question to you is, what are you building for? See, God is not in the business of masking feelings and moving on quickly. He's in the business of mourning with us, sitting sitting with us in our pain. And I remember God spoke to me so strongly about this passage in Isaiah 61, and we know this. But then our our question is oftentimes, will we mourn with those who mourn? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Are we sitting with those who mourn? Are we sitting with those who are are rejoicing? Are we we able to say the the same Spirit of God that is upon Jesus is also the Spirit of God that is upon me? Because now that Christ has returned, you know, Yes, this is our this is our mandate. I believe so. I believe that we are called to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to console those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, because Christ lives in us, it is the hope of glory. And today, every day of our lives, we get to be more like Jesus. 
I want to, I want to end with uh, this point that the story that we have is not our own. No, I, that's a narcissistic, nice photo of myself. Paper, flag. We, we started a youth ministry because we believe that God is, in the, is going to begin, or He is in the works of revealing the sons of God. He, we believe that there is a great review and, and young people will come to know Jesus by the flocks and, they will, and things that we had to push through will be easy for them. But more than anything, this is like one of my, my, my life verse. I really believe that, you know, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of God may, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. I pray that one day I will be able to say this, that we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh, that the death is working in us, but life in you. That we may be able to portray Jesus at the end of the day. Can I tell you that at the end of the day, when, when God the Father looks at you, He sees Jesus I want to I wanna, uh, land the plane slowly. Uh. But our story is not our own. Each and every one of our stories is intertwined with one another and we are, we are a great tapestry that at the end of the day when we, when we look at Jesus, when, when God the Father looks at us, He would see Jesus shining bright. About a year ago, I, I received a prophecy from uh, a really great prophet. You know, just really powerful word of knowledge just out there, man. And it, and it started to me, it was like, okay, this is what 2017 will be like. I established my entire year on a prophecy. And before I know it, my eyes were on the promise rather than the promise giver. And for six months, I know I, I, I built my life around that that, I, that, that promise and only to have a rude awakening at the brink of closing down and shutting down as I looked to Jesus and I said that this is what you are what I need not the prophecy not the promise not the you know in Exodus 33 verse 15 Moses, Moses says to God he says that if your presence will not go with me then do not bring us up from here it is in the moment of our it is not just in the moment of our oppression that our faith is tested, but in the moment of great opportunities, will we still look at Jesus and say, I want to go with you? Because I believe that we each and every one of us here are called to do great things and great exploits and the promises over your life and you're waiting from the promise to the fulfillment. But I'm quite my question is this: will your promise to fulfillment look like Jesus? Will you say, Jesus, I will only do it with you? Can I get the band up on stage? And I end with uh, this verse from Hebrews 12, verse 2. And it says that, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Each and every one of us have a story each of every one of us have pain that we've gone through, uh, joy that we've that we have celebrated, and and this is life, right? Life is life is up and down. You know, it's like the roses with the thorns. But my question to you today is: Are you building your life with Jesus? Will the at the end of the day will Will people look at your life and say, that's Jesus? Will we, the way we respond to people cause people to say, that's Jesus? I, I, I had a friend who uh, recently became rather famous. Uh, and people oftentimes say to him, uh, why don't you share the gospel with these celebrities? Why don't you share the gospel with these people? Why don't you like, 
on air say like Jesus is good or like God bless you, you know, subtly just slightly under. But he said, I don't believe that that's what God has called me to do. I believe that I'm supposed to respond in moments like Jesus did. I'm supposed to sit with the poor. I'm supposed to sit with those who are brokenhearted and I'm allowing those people to just allow their lives, allow me into their lives and they, they will see Jesus shining from the way I live my life. And that startled me. That, that just made me think about the way I live my life. I, I've been just been going around and preaching Jesus and that's good. But in the way, sometimes the, the, the places that we are at, we, don't, we aren't allowed to preach Jesus, but are we able to live our life that will reflect Jesus? Here I hold, a, I hold a, a, a raffia string, right? And this white part reflects our life here on earth. And this string runs for eternity. We don't know how long this string will, will run, but we know for right now we have got this long and we get to choose how we build our lives. We get to choose to involve Him in the story that we have. We, we get to choose Him. If you don't know Jesus today and you want to accept Him as your Lord and Saviour, you hear my story and, and it's moved your heart of oh, God is just doing something in, in, the, in the midst. I just want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. I know it's, don't think it's a scam. I'm, everybody's closing their eyes. But today if it's, if it's you and you, if you feel, even if you feel far away from God, if you feel like you've just been on a run and you need to come home, Today, if you need Jesus, come on, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we pray, Father, for those who, who within their heart have said yes. For those who are of us who have said yes before, God, we say, come and be our Lord, God. Come and be, come and be our 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 light at the end of the tunnel. God, come and be our saviour. We, we want you today.